Before we start today's episode, we'd like to hold a moment of silence for the victims of police brutality and all those who are affected by racial injustices. The Gotti team stands with the Black Lives Matter movement. Welcome to Get Off the Mic, a hockey podcast by hockey nerds for hockey nerds. Brought to you by the writers from GetOffTheIce.com. Hello and welcome to Get Off the Ice. I'm your host, Mac. And with me is a guy who probably smells better after he showers than before, my co-host, Paul. And joining us for a second straight week is a young man who is a very good boy. That's Scotty staff writer, Aaron. How are you guys? Not bad, not bad. Not bad. It's actually a great day to do a podcast. Beautiful outside, so can't wait. I just want the listeners to know that I screwed up the first take of this. So Aaron has now mentioned the weather twice within two minutes. You could be our weatherman. You really could. You know, I'm Brick Tamlin in the group. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) A little insight in high school because we are all from the same high school. Aaron, his nickname was Brick, uh, referencing the Anchorman movie where Brick was. Brick was the weatherman. He was a he was a weatherman. He was the weatherman, among other things. (laughs) Uh, Today, yeah, it comes full circle. What six years later? (laughs) Speaking of six, it's the sixth month of the year on the sixth day. That's such a pointless, pointless stat. But nevertheless, Uh, yeah, Saturday, June sixth. Today, we are recording, (laughs) and uh, we are going to be doing things a little different today with the current let's call it political or social climate uh, in both Canada and U.S. and frankly across the globe where Black Lives Matter is at the forefront for very good reason. We are actually going to reallocate our time that we, gener- that we would generally spend on hockey news and ice time and talk a little bit about the movement and some of the racial or communal community problems uh, in hockey. With, uh, I mean, without further ado, we will actually start with an opening question. And this is a simple one, guys. Who's going to win the Stanley Cup this year? Paul. You asked us this a couple of podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember my answer being, I have no idea, man. And then you went with Boston. I'm going to stick to that. Oh, you're so boring. <laughs> man, it's going to be such a toss-up because the break's going to affect some teams more than others. Uh, the playing rounds, you might have teams surprising higher seeds. I don't know. Maybe I'll just go Boston again just because. Great. Great. Riveting. Riveting. <laughs> <laughs> All that explanation just to say Boston. Uh, I mean, bias or unbiased? Because unbiased. Uh, unbiased. Un- we all know your bias. <laughs> um, 
Oh, that's so tough. You can't don't, please don't say Boston. I don't think Boston. I think it's gonna be. I'm tossed because I I feel like Carolina's got something there this year. They just have something. But I also feel if you go to the West, it could just be Vegas or Colorado. I don't, I'm gonna go bold, and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Colorado Carolina final with Carolina winning. Okay, Paul, who do you have coming out of the West since Aaron's? I know Colorado too. I like Colorado. All right, and uh, my picks will actually be different entirely. I think Philly will come out of the East. Wow. Yeah, I think they've been too good, and I think Carter Hart is underrated, even though he's regarded as one of the best. I think he's like a top 10 or top 5 goalie in the league. Already, already. But, yeah, I think Philly comes out of the East. And in the West, man, like, I don't think any of the teams outside of the top four can really compete. Like, I could give Edmonton a shot. Um, but really from six down, yeah. it, it's pretty weak altogether. So I'm going to give it to Vegas. Yeah. So I guess I didn't go. Yeah, yeah. But you pick Colorado, right? Yeah, I was Vegas-Colorado yeah. split. But, like, it, um, it's hard because I want to say Edmonton, but I don't see it. I see Edmonton struggling getting past. Even if they got past Chicago and Dallas, it's then they'd run into one of Winnipeg or St. Louis. Well, I don't we already they're know that they're not getting past Chicago. We, <laughs> we made that, that very week. clear. Like, yeah. It's well, that's episode title. Oh, that's what you think. That's it's not what everybody else thinks. Sorry, guys. But um, yeah, I could see Edmonton making at least West final if everything goes right. But I just don't see them being able to get past Vegas or Colorado, unfortunately, as much as I want them to. Now back to my picks. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, and uh, to cap it, Vegas will not be winning their first cup. Philly will end their drought and win the cup. And I really, I think I, something's, something's going on in Philly this year. It's Nolan Patrick. Well, okay. I'll, <laughs> I think he'll be good. He's, uh, he's got a lot of medical issues, but once he gets past that, he'll be a great player. Mm-hmm. But we should get on with it. And to start our discussion uh, about Black Lives Matter, I want to address why we, us three people here at Get Off the Ice on the Get Off the Mic podcast, are going to be talking about it. And it's because sports are inherently political. I know there is, I would say, a significant segment of sports fans who don't believe so. And they are and they're, just, they're empirically wrong. For as far back as one knows, I mean, the ancient Olympics themselves were political. They, and I mean, ever since you have Jesse Owens uh, making a huge statement in Berlin, 1936, you have Muhammad Ali being one of the most politically charged people or uh, figures in some of the best ways possible. And even more recently, you had like Dennis Rodman over in North Korea, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, from varying degrees of political impact. They, sports is always political. The major North American winners always visit the White House or, well, good on the Golden State Warriors to not. But the point being is there's no point to stick to sports because by sticking to sports, you're completely blocking out a whole giant part of 
what of what your industry is talking about. Yeah. Plus, everybody makes the argument of oh, you know, everybody has an opinion, but now you're gonna silence the opinion of professional athletes just because they play a sport. Like that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Not at all. Anything they have one of the biggest voices internationally. Yeah. They have a huge following and they should use their platform, right? 100%. We'll be talking about their platforms a little later, specifically the hockey team or the, yeah, the NHL team's platforms. Mm -hmm. But to get into it, let's talk about a little bit about what's going on. So back, was it a week and a half ago? A video came out of, I'm sure everyone knows this, but of uh, George Floyd being effectively murdered on camera by a cop who placed his knee on his neck for over eight minutes. And that was, I don't, I, it's hard to find the words for it. I've been in my head calling it the straw that broke the camel's back because, because it's been happening for centuries. Centuries. This is nothing new. So while George Floyd's impact on this movement is, is, is monumental, it was just another case in a line of egregious acts. Nevertheless, since then, people have begun protesting. It started in Minneapolis, St. Paul, where the murder of George Floyd happened. And they've been protesting on the most reductionary level. And I don't mean to reduce it, but for simplicit or for simplicity reasons, they've been they've been protesting against police brutality. Specifically police brutality against black people. I don't know how there are two sides to this. It's pretty it's just why why how can one take a side in this it's there there isn't two sides there's one side no if you're on the other side you're part of the problem and you're wrong like outrageously wrong there's no arguing it no there isn't so for right now they're i mean they're fighting for equality they want to be treated equally they want to not die at the hands of people that are supposed to protect them and they're fighting against the people that are supposed to be protecting them and the system that has created such an inherent racism. I, for, I don't know who said this, um, but I thought it was just brilliant. You could have dust in the air and no one, no, like, no one knows it's there, but it's inherently there. It's, it's inevitable. But when the sun shines, you realize that it's everywhere. That is racism in the U.S. Racism is the dust. The U.S. is the air. Racism was always there. Systematic oppression was always there. And we've had blips over the past centuries. I was going to say decade, but really it's been forever. Of the light shining, the sun coming out. Um, And it's currently happening again. But at some point, the sun has always seemed to set. And that's something we can't, we can't allow this time. We really can't. The last thing I want to say about this, not, not for the whole segment, but specifically just this part, is that it happens in Canada. There, yeah, there's too many people who think this is a United States issue. Far from it. It's a global issue, but it also happens in Canada. We, I don't know, I suppose it came from Uh, our history in like the 50s with creating peacekeeping forces with the UN and all that. But Canada sees itself as a peacekeeper. I mean, that is also wrong, (laughs) unfortunately. While I actually also 
hate to admit it, we are not by any means a peacekeeper. We are just a, an aggressor that hasn't declared war most of the time. But that also extends to domestically. The, the fact that it's not more well-known how many Indigenous people are going missing out in BC and frankly just across the country is, I, I would call, criminal. And to reiterate the point for Black Lives Matter specifically, a woman was thrown off her balcony a day or two after George Floyd was murdered. She was thrown off her balcony by police. Her name is Regis, and don't forget her name. So if you don't think this happens in Canada, you are absolutely and positively incorrect. And I urge you to change your view on that because being a nationalist right now is detrimental to what people are fighting for. Now, hockey has a cultural problem. This actual podcast was supposed to be a comprehensive history of black players in the NHL. But when myself, Paul, and Aaron conducted our research, there wasn't enough to fill a whole episode. And I think that is kind of indicative of what we're going to be talking about here. As of 2015, there have been around 8,000 NHL players to ever step foot on, on the ice. So to at least play one game. As of 2015, as I mentioned, 70. 70 were identified as black. Wow. The first one to do this, obviously, was Willie O'Ree back on, in January of 1958 when uh, the Boston Bruins called him up. He officially broke the color barrier in the NHL. That was 11 years after Jackie Robinson did it in the MLB. So that's honestly not all that 11 bad. years. I don't even consider 11 years as totally like a crazy bad. It's not good. Um, but considering how little hockey and as a whole, let alone the NHL, has progressed, um, that's, that's pretty bad. Meg Marson was the first black player to, to ever be drafted in 1974 by Washington Capitals. Grant Fuhrer was the first black goaltender. He was the first black Stanley Cup champion and the first black player into the Hall of Fame. Do you guys know when Grant Fuhrer was inducted into the Hall of Fame? No. Uh, 2003? At a B. At a B. <laughs> but that is almost 100 years. Yep. 100 years. I mean, and how did Willie O'Ree just get inducted in 2018? That is over 100 years. Yeah, it, that's ridiculous. And Aginla was the first black person, or black player, sorry, to win both the Art Ross and the Rocket Richard. He is also, and this kind of shocked me, he is the first black athlete to win a Winter Olympic gold in any sport. Wow. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So, does hockey have a culture problem? Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I think like we talked about this at the top of the podcast, or not even like it was off mic, but it's a predominantly white sport, and it's so hard to break that barrier and that stereotype and that uh, I guess field of that acceptance. And uh, there's something that we're going to get into in a bit that I mentioned to Mac before we had started recording. If we were if we were going to talk about that, but. There's so many microaggressions in the world in regards to feel a feeling of acceptance. 
No, take take the mantle, Aaron. We can talk about it now. We'll talk about it now. Okay, so uh, everybody plays NHL, or most of you have um, growing up. The For NHL, me, EA series. Yeah, EA series. The video games on PlayStation or Xbox or whatever it is. Um, when I grew up, uh, my friends were, and I never picked up on this. It, it was, it was and I, but I never encouraged it. It was always indirect microaggressions because there weren't many uh, black professional hockey players. So for them, they made the, the remark of when you play the video game, if you score with a player that is a, a player of color or of a different ethnicity, you automatically win. And then they would indirectly try and choose teams with the most black players on them because then in their, their own rules, if you score with one of them, you automatically win. I never picked up on that before, and I never thought about it. And it, I, it, it, I also never encouraged it, but I also never did anything to stop it. I never spoke up and really did anything about it, and that's something that I look back on, and that deserves change. You don't take a player and base him based on the color of his skin, but based on the skill he has and the talent he has. P.K. Subban didn't win Norris because he was a black hockey player. He won I would it because argue that he maybe lost some Norrises, or specifically one. It was a 2014 or 2015. Uh, I don't know. One I'm year he was sure. the best. He was the best defenseman by far, and he somehow didn't win it. But nevertheless, sorry, Aaron. No, that's okay. But like my point being that he didn't win it because he was a black hockey player who was very good at what he did. It's because he was the best hockey player, the best defenseman in the league at what he did. They didn't do. They don't do it based on the color of their skin. It's because of his performance. They don't base it based. That's why it's like the the new Willie O'Ree award that they had come out with. Why did you all of a sudden come out with it, however many years later, to make a difference in the community when that's been there for decades? That that could have been there for decades, but why all of a sudden now? Why look back to the year that it was instilled when this whole movement of Black Lives Matter was a thing back then? I can remember NBA players turning their jerseys inside out and wouldn't show logos because they weren't supporting and they, they didn't want to be associated with the organizations. But why all of a sudden now? So when you think back to these little microaggressions, like I scored with this player who was of color and now I win this video game. You don't do it because it's the way they look. You shouldn't. It's because they deserve to be in the NHL based on their skill and their talent. That's my opinion on it. You're absolutely right. and. I mean, let's let's stick here for a sec. EA Sports. EA came out with a statement today. Um, I'm pretty sure it was either today or yesterday that they were going to fix a lot of the um, racism in their game. And the racism in their game occurs by fan-created or user-created content in the form of names. Now, I, I'm... I, I don't have the names up, nor do I want to dignify them by, by saying them, but they involve often racial slurs, um, sexual orientation slurs. Um, I, I mean, I even, I've seen ones where they, they, the player's name is George Floyd, and then you can customize your player to look in a way, and they make him look just awful. And, I mean, I don't know how they don't have a filter to catch that, 
garbage, but they need to do something about that. And I think that kind of perpetuates what EA specifically is perpetuating what often goes on in the NHL is that no one really cares. And now let me, let me run something back all the way to 2017. Do you guys remember a 2017 game at the start of the NHL season and Tampa Bay was playing someone, I forget. And JT Brown was on the bench. Yep. And he raised his fists, his fists, sorry, during the national anthem. Mm-hmm. Well, A, he received death threats for that. And back then they were still protesting what they are today, police brutality. Among many other things, the chief and umbrella term among them being equality. But, and I don't have it directly in front of me, but uh, I was reading online. What Tampa Bay, the actual, what they actually said in their statement about JT Brown's protest, they didn't take, like, they didn't overtly support him. They didn't name him in their statement. They did. They said, a player on the bench. They didn't say JT Brown. They said, a player on the bench. And again, they didn't say, we, we support our player's decision. We stand alongside our player. They, based, they said, we acknowledge that he has a right to make his own decision. They chose not to stand beside J.D. Brown. Can, no I jump in, can I jump in really quick? Go for it. Does that not remind you of Colin Kaepernick? Yep. Like, to a T, yep. where he makes that one movement, during, or not the one movement, but the kneeling during the national anthem because he doesn't support it. Where is he now? So He's not in the, he's not in the NFL when he deserves to be. Oh, yeah. But Nike support Nike, even regardless, didn't drop him. They embraced it. I no remember one. his commercial from what a couple months ago, where it was all about Black Lives Matter. That's that's what you should be doing. You shouldn't be like the the NFL, where now he did one thing where he stood up for what he believed in, and now look where we are. This was how many years ago, and he was the first to really start this movement. Uh, not to start, but. Uh, definitely turning it into sports within, yeah, that's what I mean. Within sports, he was the first athlete to truly make a huge stand, to yeah. truly make that mark, and look what it cost him. And in, in that commercial, I remember towards the end of it, it says, "Even if it costs you everything, something along those lines, it's still worth it." I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but even if it costs you everything, it's still worth it. So here was this athlete willing to give up his entire career to stand for stand up for what he believed in, and everybody threw him out, kicked, cast him out. Now, question relating to that: the NFL came out with a very powerful video um, where they had many of their black athletes recite lines or soliloquies, basically pledging, you know, their their solidarity and allegiance to the movement. And the NHL has, or NHL, sorry, the NFL has since uh, recognized their misconduct in handling uh, Colin Kaepernick's peaceful and silent protest. Mm-hmm. The NHL has done nothing of the sorts. Absolutely nothing. They, well, they completely ignored JT Brown. They didn't support him in any way. Does the NHL get, should they be criticized for not? reflecting in on themselves yeah i think they should be criticized for not doing something sooner and trying to 
create an environment that is inclusive to everybody. But I feel like with what everything Akeem Lou has said and his article um, in the Players' Tribune, yeah, hockey is not for everyone. If you haven't read it, yeah, please go do that. Um, But I think the NHL actually sitting down and talking to him and trying to make steps is definitely a step in the right direction, but they have a long way to go before they can use that slogan and have it be accurate. I mean, quick aside, and this isn't to take anything away, but maybe they should support a women's league that is trying to come up similar to the NBA did. Mm. They want to actually say that hockey is inclusive. You would say that hockey is for everyone, but nevertheless, yeah, the NHL, the NHL likes to sit on fences. Absolutely. That's to that's a good way to put it. problems. And we're going to move on. This is a segue now to less so the league, who I would make the argument since the Bill Peters firing has been trying to make genuine improvements, both upon themselves and the community. Granted, it's been so long. And so thank God they're finally trying to do something and they're including a loo into it among many others. But this goes down to a team level. Now, every, oh, hold on, most NHL teams released a statement on the Black Lives Matter movement. I made a chart. So I read every single statement, except for one, but that's kind of because they didn't, they didn't post mm-hmm. it. And I, 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 I gave them points because sometimes they're cookie cutter, sometimes they're detrimental, and sometimes the ones that actually do something and make concrete options or solutions or actions for progress deserve credit. They shouldn't all be bundled up into, oh, all the NHL teams except for one made comments. Some deserve more credit than others because they've just done better than others. So I have a number of criteria that would, or that, uh, that would be included in the statement. So what do you guys think would be, you know, the most basic thing, if you just want to go for cookie cutter, if you just want to put it out to have put it out so that you aren't one that didn't, what would you have in your statement? Address the situation. You acknowledges back, racism. Yeah. Acknowledges racism, supports the community. and Yep, pledges solidarity to the oppressed. Sorry, when, I'm, yeah. when you say something, I'm just I'm naming off the column. That, that's uh, okay, that's okay. And then I would say just where you stand on it and that you show support. And that's... Yep. Uh, I like that's pretty much the most cookie cutter you can get. With is using Black Lives Matter a well, yes, a minimum yes, requirement yes. is mentioning I, George Floyd a minimum requirement. Um, I would say that maybe takes it one I, step. Yeah, further. one step further. It's not because it's not only about George Floyd in this moment. Yes, it's about yes. all Black Lives. So, like, you want to be showing that. It's all Black Lives that matter. Not even though it all started because of what happened with George Floyd. You would not. You can acknowledge what happened, but it's like if you're making it the most basic thing that you, as you had mentioned, then I don't believe that that would be addressed in there. It would just be all yeah. Black Lives Matter does. All right. So these are my good categories. They get a. They got a point, and I didn't actually want to rank them, but I chose to rank them just to demonstrate how sorry these teams did. 
So you got a point if you acknowledged racism. The fact that that's a column means that some teams didn't. You got a point if you mentioned George Floyd, because that was the most recent um, Kickstarter of this movement. You got a point, and this really should be more, if you called George Floyd's murder a murder. You got a point if you used Black Lives Matter, either in hashtag or in words. You got a point if you condemned police brutality. You got a point if you acknowledged systemic racism, and you got a point if you pledged solidarity to the oppressed. Now, you'd hope that that would be it, but some teams forced my hand, and I had to create a bad stuff category. You lost points, if lost two points specifically, if you thank the police. You lost two points if you had grammar or spelling mistakes. And you lost points if you had negative comments on the rioters or protesters. Not because creating violence is good, but what you're doing, if you're doing that, is you're taking the small segment of protesters that are creating violence and are often uh, either uh, white supremacists or undercover cops. And you're applying that label to all of the peaceful pro- protesters, and you're, and you're, 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 you're causing bad. I, I am, I'm, I am lost for words, but you shouldn't be doing that. You're generalizing the protest, and that's bad. You're taking away from what the whole movement is. Thank you. I, I, I couldn't find the words. Yeah. So, out of the 32 teams, because Seattle's included here. Okay, actually, first. The team that did the worst is the New York Rangers because the Rangers did not say anything. James Dolan, the, pre- the owner, uh, sent an email to his employees and some of the employees posted that email on social media because they found it silly. Um, but he basically said that they don't want to talk about the issue, that they don't find... I, I forget exactly what he says, but what has obviously become clear throughout all this is that if you're not emphatically and overtly on the side of the protesters, you're on the other side. There's no middle ground. There's no fence. There's a line in the sand and the Rangers organization, not necessarily their players, because I know we know that a lot of them are progressive and stand for human rights. Um, and some do not. Yes, and some do not, but uh, we, won't, uh, we won't get into specifically that. But yes, the Rangers have aligned themselves Uh, alongside the aggressors. So, acknowledging racism, six teams chose not to. Six teams. The St. Louis Blues did not acknowledge racism. The New York Islanders did not acknowledge racism. The Rangers couldn't. The Minnesota Wild, where where this this whole thing started, at least for this particular period of movement, didn't acknowledge racism. The Ottawa Senators also did not acknowledge racism, but their foundation, who has since split from them, did. That's, that's upsetting. Yeah. Teams that mention George Floyd. This is, this is a step up. This is a good thing to do. Um, Boston did. So now, if you guys can't tell, I'm now naming the teams that did as opposed to the teams that didn't because it would just be easier. Boston did, Buffalo Chicago, Minnesota, Montreal, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Washington all acknowledged George Floyd. Uh, That is 8 out of 32, 25% of the teams. 
of those teams, and I guess out of all the teams, who called George Floyd's murder actually a murder? Two. Two out of 32 teams called George Floyd's murder a murder. The Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, what was established off the top using Black Lives Matter. How many teams use Black Lives Matter, you ask? Two. That was probably the most astonishing one to me. And we'll, I'll pause here to let you guys comment on this before I get into the rest of it. But two teams, the Boston Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks, either said Black Lives Matter in words or hashtag. So every other of the 30 teams that didn't, didn't mention Black Lives Matter. It's breathtaking in the worst way. Like, I also saw, I think it was last night or today, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, I believe, actually put Black Lives Matter in their bio on Twitter. Yep. And, which is great. Like, we're all Carolina fans now, right? But oh, also take in... They do very good in this. No? Oh. But, I mean, that's a nice little, that's a nice gesture. It is. To include that in their bio. But if we take in how they're getting praised for having that in their bio. The most like, basic thing. Yeah. yeah. That's how sad the NHL is. Well, that's how sad this whole, this whole thing is. Like, the people who are against it. It's... Mm. Boston and Vancouver did the most basic thing, but they are in the 99th percentile because no one else even said Black Lives Matter. That's absurd. That's the name of the movement. I couldn't, I actually couldn't believe it. So then my question is, even if Carolina is being praised for having Black Lives Matter, what have they really done for it besides post a picture of a black screen in a statement? What has any team done for it? That's my point. Why are you praising them for putting something in a bio? Do something about it. Well, and I think that's what this speaks to is how low the bar is and talks or or refers back to what we were talking about earlier is that the NHL just has always ignored the problem or tried to sit on it, which makes the bar so low when you decide to take a stance on something. And we'll talk about that when it comes to the players as well. Next, condemning police brutality. Now, obviously this comes from, I mean, George Floyd. (laughs) I mean, everything, everything. And I, this is, a pretty big step for NHL teams that never take a stance on anything. So I wasn't surprised that none of them contempt police brutality. I gave half marks, and actually I should say this, I graded very nicely. Very nicely. I tried to give them as much benefit of the doubt and try and read things as favorably as I can, and still the results were pitiful. Montreal got half marks for condemning police brutality in their description of George Floyd's murder. They didn't call it a murder, but they called it heinous, vicious, violent. Um, And they darn well know that that was police. So I gave them half points for that. So we got 0.5 out of 32 for condemning police brutality. Acknowledge systematic racism. I, they actually did better than I thought, which is, at least somewhat encouraging that they can understand where the larger problem is. So we had six that did it. That was Chicago, Florida, Philadelphia, 
who honestly did pretty poor besides that, Vegas, Washington, and <laughs> Seattle. Pittsburgh got a half marks for describing that uh, this permeates society, which is somewhat acknowledging it. And finally, for the good stuff, people who pledge their solidarity with the oppressed. I expected this to be all green. Aaron, Aaron said it off the top. Like this was a very, very basic one. Five. Washington, LA, Florida, Edmonton, uh, Colorado. Those were the only ones. Now, who did bad stuff? Who thanked the police? Well, I should say off the bat, Rangers got negative for all of it because they chose to say nothing, so they get only negatives. But the Islanders thanked the boys in blue. St. Louis thanked the men in uniform. And Vegas, who in two separate statements, which is the epitome of trying to sit on a fence, did so as well. Who create or posted or included negative comments on the rioters or protesters more, most often uh, with regards to the violence? Carolina did. Oh, no, Colorado. Or sorry, Chicago did. My bad. Obviously the Rangers. <laughs> Nashville. And Vegas. And who didn't even have the gosh darn decency to proofread their frickin' statement? The Rangers, because they didn't post one. I'm just going to keep on saying that because they're a bunch of... Mm -hmm. bad, bad word. New Jersey. Couldn't get spelling right. Minnesota started there off with... The Minnesota Wild is... The rest of their sentence did not make sense because of that. So, good job, Minnesota. You really represented well. And Chicago. Or no, Colorado, sorry. Colorado outside spelling mistakes. All in all, Boston ran away with it. They were one of the later ones. I think they were the third last. Yeah, they, they, they kind of received first. a little bit of flack for not posting anything. Like, people got on them about it. But I guess it is better late than never. And well, I think they did a fairly good job with it. If you come to the party late, bring party favors, and Boston yeah. certainly did. Um, yeah. At the very least, we can give them the benefit of the doubt that they genuinely reflected on it, because they really yeah. did hit a lot of the points. Toronto did fairly well. Um, they, they had a lot of other good things that maybe weren't as important, but they were good to say at the very least. Washington did very well. Obviously, the Rangers did the worst, because mm -hmm. they didn't say absolutely anything vegas did terribly and so did st louis and what this exercise was really meant to do was illustrate how low that bar is and that team still couldn't get over it what are we what will it take to get teams to take a side now this isn't a rhetorical question i am now asking you guys what will it take because, and I'll, sorry, I, I think I cut someone off there. But San Jose's statement was just basically acknowledging that, oh, yeah, we say what Evander Kane says. And Evander Kane said many beautiful things. And his, what he did, and especially in calling out Crosby, which I respect him immensely for, were great. So no, no marks 
demerited from him or Logan Couture. But San Jose just piggybacked on him. They plagiarized what he did. So I was I was originally thinking, oh, well, maybe one of their players saying something. Nope, that won't do it. That won't help them take a stand. So what will? Uh, How sad is it that I, I don't know? It's an impossible yeah. question. With everything that's gone on in this year alone, like starting off with the Bill Peters stuff, Akimalu coming out, calling out the NHL, which was phenomenal. And now all of this, and they still can't get it right? Are you kidding me? Like, I, I'm at a loss for words. And this what? is supposed to be the biggest and best hockey league in the world. Yeah, yeah, it was. And they're, they're an embarrassment to their fans. What this was meant to best illustrate is to not let up on the NHL. That they can say a couple good things. But until that bar is raised, nothing I don't think will change in the NHL. Because they've set themselves up to succeed no matter what. By just, saying, by just acknowledging racism. By even just putting out a statement. People applaud them. That's not good enough. That's, that will never be good enough. So when you read stuff that comes from the NHL, look at it with a critical eye. Don't just see that the NHL posted something or that an NHL team posted something or that an NHL player posted something. Read what it says and digest and analyze whether it actually comes up with solutions, if they actually reflect upon themselves. Because without that, they're saying nothing. They say absolutely nothing. Now, speaking of the players, I think it's 70 players as of right now. Ironic, because 70 players since 2015, or as of 2015, were black in NHL history, had come out with statements. And I, I remember I talked to Paul and maybe others um, a few podcasts ago about how much of a joke it was that no non-color NHL players had come out in support of this. And then Logan Couture did. And Logan Couture said incredible things. And he supported his player, his teammate in Evander Kane. And he set a bar. Going back to that bar thing. Because I think that's a genuine problem. And that the NHL sets themselves up for that. He set the bar pretty high. And that's a good thing. So, a bunch of NHL players came out and said things. A lot of them left me wanting more. Yeah. Evander Kane had a beautiful thing. And that was, again, right before Logan Couture. And what he did is he called out Sidney Crosby. He called out Sidney Crosby on, was it ESPN? He also called out Tom uh, Brady. But to call out the biggest star in your league, because I think McDavid's better as a hockey player, but Crosby's the star. Crosby is still the star. He's still the face of the NHL. Yeah. To call him out is big cojones and props to Kane. Crosby waited four days, three days, a while. Yeah. And came out with something that was fine. It was fine. And coming out with anything is positive. While I may just be adhering to that bar thing that I was going on about coming out with anything is, is better than nothing. Unfortunately, I have to acknowledge but that gets juxtaposed 
with stuff that other players have said. Specifically, I'm going specifically players not of color because the players of color have been passionate about this all along. P.K. Subban has been an advocate for it all along. Evander Kane has been as well. I mean, Akeem Alou, obviously. J.T. Brown. But now they are calling upon their players of non-color to speak out too because if you're not with them, you're against them. So Jonathan Taves comes out and says something incredible where he even admits that he had to self-reflect um, what he thought about the violence at the riots and that he realized that peaceful protesting has been done before and it hasn't worked. And now that he's a full supporter of what's going on and he recommended solutions and how he himself can change what uh, change his surroundings to help the, the, uh, the movement. Blake Wheeler also addressed the issue. He's from just outside Minneapolis where this all started and he has not stopped talking and that's great. He had a full interview. I forget with who, but you guys should all watch it. We'll link it in the description. Boy, we have a lot of link. We have a lot to link in the description. Yeah, we got a lot. <laughs> and Braden Holtby also said something great. So, what, like, what do we say here? What do we say to someone like like Sidney Crosby, who actually give me one more second here? I know I've been talking a whole hell of a lot, but. I was talking with someone about this and this was before Crosby said anything. And they said, Crosby reminds them of Gordie Howe. Gordie Howe was a phenomenal player, but when it came to social issues, even within the sport, he remained silent. He took neither side of an issue. This was most apparent when it came to the creation of the NHLPA um, and trying to regulate players' salaries. He didn't care all that much. He was making a bunch of money. And we, I totally respect his decision not to do that. But he didn't necessarily leave himself on the best side of history on that topic. Someone like Ted Lindsay, who was essentially the father of the NHLPA, who was also making a boatload of money, he he was someone who always spoke out on social issues. So my friend, he, he likened Crosby to Gordie Howe in the social aspect way, that this was the biggest star in the league, and he continues to remain silent. Now he put out this cookie-cutter Statement. I don't know where I'm going with this. Is the saddest it thing is it's no, it's not because it's different eras. In today, in today's day and age, you just said it. You have the biggest star in the NHL, even though McDavid's a better player. You have the biggest face of the like the league who's sitting there silent when now he has a platform, his platform, through social media, through the organization, through the sport, where he can help. And he can support and he can voice his his thoughts and show that it's not nothing. You, you said Ted Lindsay back in the day was an advocate, would speak up for what was wrong, what was right. He didn't have the, the, the resources that people do now. Not, not even in the slightest. But even with these resources, they're still sitting silent. And that it's, kind not, of, it's, not, it's not the same. That kind of brings me to my next point. Should they risk something? Should in they? What, in what so sense? Players, I heard a thing that the NHL team, or that players remained silent because they wanted their teams to post something first so that they had kind of the cover to do it. You know what I mean? You know, their mm -hmm. team posts a thing in support of the movement, then they can. Because if they do it first and then their team doesn't do it, 
they could be alienating themselves from the team and they could genuinely be risking being traded, stuff like that. You look at someone like who's made the news and who I am, I was always, always a fan of, but is just like awesome. John Boyega, star of the new, of the uh, recent Star Wars trilogy. He went and he protested and he led a protest and he said, I don't care if I, if I get blacklisted. Mm-hmm. He's risking something. Taves, again, and it's just because that was the first one I saw and it was so powerful. He was risking something by just even talking about how he reflected upon his own misjudgment of what the movement first was. He risked something. Should we be asking players to risk something? It, I think it all refers back to Colin Kaepernick. As much as we don't want to think that, look at this one player who risked something and he lost everything. He did. He, he was willing to lose everything. But then you have to think, are athletes willing to lose everything? Some, no. some, some might say they are. Some might say they're for the movement and they're willing to get behind it 100%. But like you said, then there's also the players that are scared to end up like Colin Kaepernick where they hide behind their organization and their statements. That's that. Yeah. And you know what? At at first understanding or listen, I don't totally blame them for being scared of having Colin Kaepernick's fate. It's a tough subject to talk about, but it It has to be talked about. It is. It does. And that's why we're talking about it today. But can we, can we ask them to, can we ask non or players of non color to potentially risk, even though I think we all know if a player lost a job because he was not racist, that that would be absurd. But in their minds, can we ask them to risk their career for a movement that they wouldn't even be directly impacted by? Now, I know us three all say yes. We would do that. Can we ask them to, though? You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to go and sit down and Tell the tell Sidney Crosby or Jonathan Taves or whoever it is that so, like this is a very important movement. We need your support. They need to realize that on their own. You shouldn't sit there and say, "Look at these peers that I've I've played with." Even again, like what was it? A few hours ago, went on TSN and said, "I hope that this this movement, this huge movement now, really does affect change." Crosby played with Aginla, twenty ten Olympics. Crosby played with a Ginla Penguins when he got traded. That's a good friend of his. Would you not want your friend to help support your movement and support you? So as much as you want to sit there, I don't think Iggy's going to want to call Sid and be like, hey, we need your help. He should come to it on his own, realize it on his own. My friend and this person I played with that I have respect for is going through this because of other people. I can help. I have a voice. Not sit there and be asked, but know what's right and wrong. I absolutely agree. And that was what I was hoping for. The conversation doesn't end here. While the segment ends here, the conversation cannot end because nothing has been achieved yet. There has been more more spotlight, I suppose, on the movement. But there's been spotlight before, and it hasn't done anything. Think of 2016 in Ferguson, Mississippi. Think of 2017 at the 20 at the neo-Nazi protests in Virginia, where they were murdering other people. 
And then Trump came out and said that there were good people on both sides. Those fell by the wayside. We must, everyone, we, athletes, fans, podcasters, listeners, black, white, whatever creed or color you are, need to keep this on the map and on the news cycle. Because as we've seen, they will fall out of the news cycle. And frankly, that's probably why the U.S. declared Antifa as a terrorist organization, was just to get something else on the news cycle. We can't let that happen. We won't let that happen. To help that, we will be including a bunch, a bunch of links in the description, including uh, a link to Akima Lu's Player Tribune article, to Blake Wheeler's interview, to a, I forget exactly what the name of the video is, but there is a video where all the proceeds uh, or all the monetization that YouTube gives the video is going straight towards the black or organizations that help the black lives. Yeah, it's a video by Zoe Amira. I believe it's how you pronounce the last name. It's how to financially help Black Lives Matter with no money. Yeah. So So if you can't donate, you can watch that movie and you, or sorry, that movie, that video, and you will be donating. And we will also include a bunch of uh, links to signed petitions. And if you are able to donate, links to donate as well. We can't let this be forgotten. We can't let this fall by the wayside. Now, as seamlessly as I can try, we will be moving on to a next segment. And this next segment will be betting. So we'll be getting into a little lighter-ish of subjects here. So, but just 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 know that we are still cognizant, and we're always reminding ourselves, our friends, and our families that we can't let this fall by the wayside. So this new segment is one that we'll actually be coming back to a couple times. It's called our playoff betting segment. Woo! So. Yay. Myself, Aaron, and Paul. <laughs> don't sound too excited. Oh, my God. Yeah, thanks, Paul. So the what we're going to be doing is all three of us are assigned $500. Now, we will be spending this money, this fake money, across a couple segments. So today we'll just be addressing $100 worth of our money. And we will be betting on the play-in series. So I have all the odds for the play-in series, and you get four bets. I don't care how much money you put on those bets. You can do 96 one, or 97, $1, $1, $1, $1, or whatever. You just have to make four bets on four of the teams that you best think. And um, once the actual results come in, I'll be able to calculate based on these odds who's made the most money. Now, we're going to be able to continue this because obviously we can take that money, we can reallocate it into the budget that we have. So point being, this is something fun that we can do that's also a nice little competition friendly and there's no actual money involved so really quickly you guys have a hundred dollars across four bets the play-in series obviously pittsburgh montreal carolina new york islanders florida toronto columbus edmonton you know the rest i have the odds are in the negative positives so just in case you don't know uh, positive is generally an underdog, well, almost, is always an underdog. So if, so for instance, Montreal, Pittsburgh, Montreal is an underdog at plus 170. That means that if you bet $100, you would win 170. So your total payout would be $270. The negative is how much money it would take to win $100. So Pittsburgh is negative 200 in that series. So if you bet $200, you would win 100 and your payout would be 300. I'll be able to calculate it all. 
the higher the negative number is, is more of, or is a smaller payout and more of a favorite. The higher, obviously, the plus is, is more of an underdog. So we're going to go in order and just make our bets one at a time. So it will go Aaron, me, Paul. You guys can ask for the odds on a series and then make that bet. I will be recording it. Aaron. Uh, which series are we starting with? Whatever. You can pick any of the eight series. You can bet on both Edmonton and Chicago if you wanted. Uh, $100 to start. I'm going to go... Because I, ha- I have to do it. I have to go 50 on Edmonton. $50. He's blowing I'm half of his current budget on Edmonton. All right. So Ride or die with the boys. That's a negative 150 So that means that you would win $125 if you won. That's fine with me. Well, you'd win 75 and your payout would be 125 Fine with me. I'm going to go $40 on the New York Rangers hmm. over Carolina because that seems like a decent underdog bet, in my opinion. Paul, you can I, ask I got, for the odds as well. I got all my picks. Okay, we'll mm-hmm. just do one right now. Uh, I'll go twenty dollars on Vancouver. All right, all right, all right. All righty. So, do you do you want to know what the odds are? Well, you might as well tell me. <laughs> you guys are so excited by this. They're negative one hundred and forty. Okay. So they are the favorite in that series. Yeah, I figure as much. Aaron, back to you. you uh, Fifty bucks left. What's the Toronto Columbus series? Who's the Toronto is negative 150 favorites. Columbus is 130 underdog. I'm going to put 20 on Columbus. 20 on Columbus. Wow. Alrighty. I, just for fun, because I'm going to bet on you guys losing all your money, I'm going to put put 30 bucks on Carolina. (laughs) What? Yep. You're betting on the same. Series. No matter what, I get money out of it. So, <laughs> all right, man. Way to cheat this. You're gonna up. lose money not... though. Yeah, but I'm betting on you guys losing all your money. I'm playing okay. you guys. I'm not playing the the system. Ah, wow. Yeah. Take you to Vegas right, one Paul. day. Uh, I'm gonna go twenty dollars on the Islanders. Ew. They Sometimes. are. You gotta take the boring series. They are actually, oddly enough, the underdog in that one, eh? Really? Yep. Interesting. They're, they're plus 100, and Florida is negative 120. So it's really close. They aren't the closest series, but. All I right, think Aaron. I'm gonna, match Paul, I'm gonna match Paul then and put 20 on the Islanders. Okay. Aaron's got $10 left. Um, I'm going to place. How much money have I got? 30? I'll put 25 bucks on the Winnipeg Jets, who are even with the uh, the sorry Calgary, Calgary Flames at negative 110. Paul, I'm gonna go 20 dollars on Arizona. Wow, that's my underdog pick. That one, though, that series is really close as well. So, oh, really? quick before we oh. get our last picks, Aaron's got five or 10 bucks. I've got five bucks and Paul has forty. Aha. Aaron. Um all right, I'm gonna do two separate bets, so I'm just gonna get these out there. No, no, right. no. You only yes, got yes, to make yes. four, four bets. bets. Oh damn it. That was 
Right. You know, I, rules, don't you listen? No, I don't. Oh, you know that. Fine. I'm going to do $10 on <laughs> Carolina. Hey, I spent money on Carolina. I like Carolina. How'd I'm going to the final? I like the Rangers better. Well, yeah, you bet a lot of more money on it. All right. Since this is only $5, I'm putting 5 bucks on Carey Price specifically. <laughs> they have the longest odds. It's five bucks. I don't care to lose it. Paul, where is your last forty dollars going? Uh, I'm gonna go Pittsburgh. Oh, that's weird. Alrighty, there you have it. So, as we progress throughout the playoffs, whenever they do happen, I'll be updating uh, the the money totals, and then as we move again through the playoffs, we'll be reallocating our winnings. Or, I guess we can't really lose anything because we've spent that hundred bucks. So. I'll be doing all that. Now, time for our final segment. We can never leave it out. Our trivia. And today is something different. Paul and I will not be doing trivia. Well, actually, we will be participating in the trivia. Neither of us are the trivia master. It's actually Aaron this week. He wanted to, so Aaron, take it away. Well, I want to say thank you for the opportunity. Um have a good couple trivia questions that hopefully I can get in there a couple more weeks. But uh, we talked about uh, internationally, the biggest differences in hockey today and how things can progress and different things that can be done. So I just thought, why not reminisce on some historic moments and what's more historic than becoming a part of the triple gold club. So what we're going to be doing is the question for you guys, and you're going to be working together is since 2010, there have been eight people added to the triple gold club. Can you name those eight people? Now with this, I have all the, the, the years that they've won the gold medal, the world championship and Stanley cup. So for those who don't know what the triple gold club is, is somebody to be able to be a part of this has to win an Olympic gold medal, a world championship and a Stanley cup in their careers. It doesn't have to be simultaneously year by year, but it just all together at one point. So since 2010, there have been eight people added to this list. Can you name those people working together? Now, with this, if you, you, it's not about getting a point system because there's eight players total. For each player you get, you get one point, and it's out of eight. Okay. I like this. Sydney Crosby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Back. Well... Are we starting? Like, that's it's how you get I, I guess I guess Max already started. So Sidney Crosby win? is on the list. Yes, that is one. All right. I do have a question before we continue. Yep. <laughs> so the United Flags of the Russian Federation won the 2018 Olympics, and that technically wasn't Russia. Mm-hmm. So I guess the players did win an Olympic gold, just mm-hmm. not. Okay, never mind, never mind, never mind. Okay. Okay, okay Paul. Who, do we, who have we got um, here? And I will, I'm just going to add to this. If you can't figure out one player, you can only get one hint. So the one hint for that player would you get to choose would be the, the year that they won the gold medal, the world championship, or the Stanley Cup. Okay. All right, Paul. Let's. I'm thinking, is Taves on that list? Uh, yeah, he probably won a world championship. I, I would think so. Jonathan Taves. Correct. Right. Okay, so right. you have two, two. Out of eight? Yep. All right. Um, well, let's just about, think of who won. I have the, another one, maybe. Okay. Drew Doughty, you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Drew Doughty. Good. Strike one. I'm sorry, boys. Really? Oh, what? He what hasn't won a world have? championship. Oh, yeah. World championship. He hasn't won, I guess. 
He has not won a world championship. When was the last world championship? It happens every year. It does happen every year. Really? <laughs> Neat. <laughs> um, so that is strike one of three. Uh-oh. All right. Um, okay. So the Blackhawks won a bunch of cups. So they'd have to be either on the Blackhawks, the Penguins, the Kings. Um, Canada won a couple of those Olympics. So it's the, world, it's the world championship that's messing with me. Okay. Well, Duncan Keith. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Well, Duncan Final Keith answer. Submitted. That's strike two. I'm sorry, boys. What? World championships are screwing with us. Okay, but okay. then I feel like maybe Brent Seabrook might have. <laughs> do you want to go? Do you want to try that? But I feel like if Keith doesn't, then Seabrook doesn't. Yeah, but the better players don't always go to the world championships, and Keith. Um, I'll give you. I'll, I'll say this, Mac. You were on the right. Uh, wave thinking towards some people that have won Stanley Cups recently. But remember, it's not about when you win Stanley Cups, it's about when you get that final allocate. Oh, he's right. Oh, I don't And remember, remember one thing. I said it's eight members. Eight members. Okay? That's the key wording there. So it could be retired players. Possibly. (gasps) Okay, this is not a final answer, but Paul, what do you think about Patrick Sharp? Did he win? He won an Olympic, right? He was on the Olympic team. Was he? I don't know Chris if he was. Kunitz. I know Chris Kunitz was. Ugh, yeah, he was. Oh, Would you like to use any of your hints? Yes, yeah, so let's, yeah, let's use a hint. Okay. Um, what do you think, Paul? Stanley Cup? Because I don't think we'll get it from getting a world championship. Yeah, Stanley Cup. Yeah, okay, Stanley Cup. Okay. This player won a Stanley Cup in two years. 2002. And 2008. All right, Mac, you're the Stanley Cup champion, uh, champion trivia person. So, so someone who won who those was, cups? Someone who I was thinking about was Henrik Zetterberg. Okay, it was Detroit, but Henrik Zetterberg. Okay. And he would have won an Olympic gold in 2006 in Turin. But I don't know. Again, it's the world championships that are screwing with me. Um, so, again, the, the question, I'll, re- I'll repeat the question. Since 2010. So these players only since 2010 have joined. Uh, eight, I, I wasn't no, sure sorry. These be... eight these eight members since 2010 have been added to the Triple Gold Club. Yeah, so I guess I was thinking he could have won his World Championship after 2010, which would have put him in. But given by given Aaron's uh, insert there, I, I'm going to guess we were on the wrong path there. But okay, so someone won it then. Who was young back then, Paul? Well, 2002 oh, and my. 2008. They won it two times. But that means I, I don't even remember who's on the team in Detroit. <gasps> oh, I, I want to guess it. I'm gonna Paul. Do you trust Just, me? Yeah. Pavel Datsuk. Final answer. Yes. That's correct, Pavel Datsuk. Oh. So the Russian okay. Federation thing. Pavel Datsuk won his gold medal in 2018 with the OAR and won his world championship in 2012 and two cups in 2002 and 2008. Oh my god! Okay. Tough. Okay. I'll, I'll just keep getting. Hints? Yep. And they how many people? One, five, two, so five, three, people. four, Because you have sorry, five. Yeah, five. <laughs> I thought this was right. going to be like easier, right? Eh? Well, not like easy, but easier than this. You know what? Because because you guys are struggling so hard, I'll give you a hint for each of the final players okay. or members. So like two extra hints. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
So this next, <laughs> this, so but you have to tell me. I'm not going to tell you the player, but you have to tell me what you would like. Gold medal. I think championship or Stanley. I think Cup. Stanley Cup's the easy way to go for all of them. And Olympic medal. I don't because I, I I don't think we'll be able to identify who's on which world championship team. No, but I think Stanley Cup narrows it down up more now. Oh, absolutely. And then also Olympic team. Yeah. So if we do get two per, let's do those. No, we get one per player now. Like, yeah, you only get you get you're gonna get one hint per player now. Yeah. Oh, Stanley Cup. Okay. <laughs> so this player won a Stanley Cup in 2006. Okay. It could be Eric Stahl. Sorry, again, it's Carolina. Um, so Eric Stahl, I think, played for Olympic teams. I think. I mean, no, it couldn't have been him. I think it's got to be Eric Stahl. Is my partner in this going to say anything? I don't know. I don't remember Eric Stahl being on an Olympic team, though. I actually thought he was on the 2010 Olympic team. He might have. I'm thinking who else was on that Carolina team. Like, I don't think Justin Williams was. Yes, he was. No, but was he on an Olympic team? Oh, no, I don't think so. No, I don't no, think so. Wasn't. All right, Paul. Brendan Moore? No, he he would have gotten it so. before. If he's even in. Right. I don't think yeah, 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 right. All right, Eric Stahl. Okay, go Stahl. That is correct, Eric Stahl. Gold medal in 2010, world championship in 2007, Stanley Cup in 2006. I don't remember him being on that Olympic team, but... Brendan Morrow was on that Olympic team. I don't even remember Uh, him. All right, next. Are we sticking with Stanley Cup? Yes, sir. (laughs) Stanley Cup in 2007. Okay. Anaheim? Eatley? No. He wasn't on that team. I don't know. Why did I... I don't know why I said it. Oh, Oh no, I don't know. Let's so get Slavin Perry. Yeah, it could be both because I like. They always kind of were like a package deal. Do you want at least for Olympics they were? Okay, let's submit one. Uh, let's go with. Remember, Perry. you do have two strikes. Also, <sighs> I was also thinking Niedermeyer off the top, but I do think Getzlav and Perry would have earned it later because they, Rem- they were both on the Olympics. Exactly. Team. Remember the wording in the question. That's all I'm going to say. All right, Paul. You want to go with Perry? First? I don't know which one. Because I feel like Perry's more. Like I feel him. like Perry would be more inclined to go to a, a world, world championship, championship than exactly. That's what I was thinking. All right. Okay. Corey yeah. Perry's let's go. Final answer. Corey Perry. That is correct. Corey Perry. Gold medal in 2010, 2014, world championship in 2016, and Stanley Cup in 2007. Oof. All right. Next one. Sticking with Stanley Cup. Yeah. Yep. 2011. 2011. The Boston Bruins. Oh, Patrice. How do we not think of him from the beginning? All right. Final answer. Patrice. Patrice Bergeron is correct. Gold medal 2010, 2014. World Championship 2004. And Stanley Cup 2011. Oh, 2004. All right. You have two more members to guess. We can do this. And I'm going to stress the word members. All right. Hit us with that Stanley Cup hint. Chris Pronger. 2019. That's why, honestly, I was thinking of him. 2019? Yep. Last year. See, I wanted to say Petrangelo, but I don't think he was ever on an Olympic team to win. Was he on 2014? And he stressed members. Did someone retire? No. Well, not from this one. Yeah. Big wall. Okay. No, yeah, I don't think any... Oh, (gasps) Jay? Oh, yeah. I think it's... Yeah, yeah. Bomeister. 
That's final. Yeah, I'm going to say Jay Bomeister. That's got to be it. That is correct, Jay Bomeister. Oh. 2014 gold medal, World Championships in 2003 and 2004, Stanley Cup 2019. Wow. Now, you read into the word members as in he is past tense. This is where the word members comes in. It wasn't about retired. Okay? This this members Stanley Cup came in 2008. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know what he's getting at. Who won in 2008? That's right. <gasps> is it Babcock? Oh, Aaron, you sneaky, sneaky boy. Because that's is, he's not saying play is member. Babcock. It is final answer. Is it Paul, Babcock? You are it is Mike Babcock. <laughs> Gold medal in 2010-2014. Wow. World Championship 2004. Stanley Cup 2008. Sneaky. I didn't, even, I didn't even think of that. I didn't think of that at all. Now, there is a second tier to these questions, if you want, if we have um, time. We have, we, have a, we have a couple minutes. We can try and fire through. All right. All right. So, building off of this. There are six members of the 2008 Detroit Red Wings Stanley Cup team that are in the Triple Gold Club. Can you name those six members? So now this doesn't include like from 2010. This is just this in, is just in it, general, from the right? two th- yeah from the 2008 okay. Stanley Cup winning team of the Detroit Red Wings. Okay. There are six members in the Triple Gold Club. Okay, so we Can know you name those players. Babcock's one. Correct. Gatuk was another. Correct. So that's two out of six. I got to think these are final answers. I got to think Lidstrom. I got to think Zetterberg. Yeah, those are two I was thinking. Okay, let's just go with that. Lidstrom and Zetterberg. Correct. Both on the list. Lidstrom won his gold medal in 2006, World Championship 1991, Stanley Cups in 97, 98, 02, and 08. Zetterberg won his gold medal in 06, his World Championship in 06, and his Stanley Cup in 08. Wow. All right, we got two left. So... I was going to say Chelios, but they haven't won an Olympic medal or Olympic gold. Okay, so I'm, what I'm going to do is I'll give you an extra strike, so we'll go to two strikes here. Okay, I was also thinking, he keeps on saying members, what about Ken Holland? Would that count? Maybe. I don't know if he was part of like a world championship team. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. All right, who, uh, who was on that team? Chris Osgood was in net, I'm pretty sure. <sighs> Who's on the Elite Red Wings? Johan Franzen could potentially oh. be one, right? He had a lot of good years before he got injured. We still got we got two strikes. So who do you want to who do you want to submit? We Let's go with Franzen. And see, Johan Franzen. Final answer. I'm sorry, that's a strike. <sighs> Paul was Chris Draper on an Olympic team? I don't know. Is he Canadian? Yeah. Yeah. He could have won in '02. Or Nagano. I don't know if he would have been in Nagano, though. Um, I feel bad that you guys are struggling with this. <laughs> I, I, will, I will give you one hint. Okay. Both these players okay. won their gold medal in the same year, their world championship in the same year, and their Stanley Cup in the same year. Huh. Who was on that 2002 Olympic team? Oh, wait. Uh-huh. It could be, yeah, no, it's got to be 2002, because Carolina won in 2006, which would have been the Turin one. So yeah, it's got to be 2002. So who was on the 2002 Olympic team? Like I'm thinking, I think it could be Chris Draper. Um, Paul? 
I got, I got nothing, man. Um, we go Draper. See. Well, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. I like. I'm. I'm nervous to do it. Let's see. Like, who can we think of? My memory is not good enough wait, to go back that far. Wait. Was Iserman on the 2018? Uh, no, I don't think so. He could have been. And then to that, was Mr. Shanna plan on the 2018? Because they both won in 2002 on both the Olympic and the gold and the Olymp- and, sorry, and the Stanley Cup. I don't know if they were there in 2008. Honestly, I think we got to pick between those two big stars and then like Chris Draper. <laughs> Who do you want to go with? I'm I'm letting you decide this one. No, Paul. <laughs> I, I a, man, I, I feeling, told you I don't know. I have a feeling Shanahan was on 08, so I'm going to include him. But who do you want? Uh, is Zierman or Chris Draper? I feel like Draper's a little bit safer because Zierman I don't know. All right, we are submitting. Brendan Shanahan and Chris Draper for your approval. Final answer? Yes. Unfortunately, that's another two strikes. Two? Wow. So, Brendan Shanahan is in the Triple Gold Club, but was not on the 2008 roster. Dang. He, was, he won it with the Wings in 97, 98, and 02. But was, he is a member of the Triple Gold Club. Was Iserman? Iserman was not on this list either. What? Wow. Okay. So who are the two? I'm very surprised you didn't get this one. Nicholas Cronwall. Oh. Gold, uh, but gold medal yeah. in 06. World Championship in yeah. 06. Stanley Cup in 08. And the other one was Michael Samuelson. Oh, uh, I, I, yeah. I, on it. I would have gotten Samuelson. Cronwall we could have gotten, though. But the, right. the, the six members all together were Lidstrom, Cronwall, Zetterberg, Samuelson, Datsuk, Babcock. Oh, that was it a stupid good team. Yeah, seriously. That was good. But glad. that is all the time we have here today. If you liked Aaron being Trivia Master, too bad. It'll never happen again. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, we'll keep on trying to change things up on the podcast, keep it going. Um, but that is all the time we've got. You guys have anything more to say? Um, no, this was a very much needed podcast, though, I believe. Yeah, these are the... The important issues that not everybody, as we mentioned, felt comfortable talking about and we, we believed we needed to address, we needed to come together. Uh, we didn't know if we were going to put out a podcast this week uh, until we all realized it was something too important to leave. So again, please watch the videos that we link. Uh, if you can, donate. Um, this is not going to go away and we all need to do our part. Yep. So click on the links that we'll be providing in the description um, and just be an advocate for what's right. I genuinely believe your kids or your grandkids will be asking about this when they see it in their history textbooks. This is important. And this is a watershed moment for our a whole society. So be a good person, but we hope you have a nice day and a nice week and we'll catch you next Monday. Bye listeners. Be sure to check us out at getofftheice.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at getofftheice.